CHUM AM Toronto is TSN 1050, an iHeartRadio station and the voice of Toronto sports. Quick question for you. Hey, let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Can you dig it? Yes, guy. Can you dig it? Yes, guy. The man with the words you've been dying to hear. Yes, guy. This is the Yes Guy Show with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050. Can you dig it? Oh, yes, guy. Another weekend is here. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Coming up in the broadcast today, first of all, we'll ascertain how Mr. Lefko is doing today. Perry, how are you today, sir? Doing fine. How about you? Uh, everything's good here. We have some interesting guests lined up. Sean Valencourt will be our first guest. He is from our military, Petty Officer Second Class. He was honored at the Maple Leaf game last Saturday night against Boston. And uh, Mike Johnson uh, from the TSN headquarters was the uh, Maple Leaf alumni. So he's an interesting guy. And uh, when he's here, I'll, I'll explain to everybody how I inadvertently met him. And uh, it's an interesting story, I think. He's got a podcast at Guys Beer Sports 1 is the Twitter account. Coming up after him, Angelo Mosca Jr. paying tribute to his his father, uh, Angelo Sr., who passed away a, a week ago, and you know, with um, Ange Sr. passing away, and Nancy Bauer, some great people have left us, and we'll pay tribute to Angelo Sr., and of course, acknowledge uh, the passing of Nancy Bauer as well. Later on, Charles Park, our uh, re- real estate expert, I was going to say Remax, but he, he does work for Remax, so Remax West Realty, uh, he's going to talk about affordability, which is a big issue uh, in the house buying market, especially for first-time buyers, as the prices uh, get a little high, and uh, you want to figure out how this can work for you. And, of course, later on, uh, yes guy, no guy. So, Perry, what's up? Jim, I want to ask you, are you getting excited about next week, Thanksgiving, the Detroit Lions playing? No, no guy, not at all. Wow, what a mess that is. I don't want them to mess up the draft pick now because they're notorious for that. You know, when losing the first uh, three quarters of the season and then winning out and then missing out on the number one pick. So it's a disaster. It's a write-off. We'll leave it at that. Let's bring in our first guest now. Sean Valencourt is here. Sean, welcome. How are you today, sir? Hey, excellent. Excellent, Jim. Uh, what an honor to be on today. And, uh, Perry, how are you doing? Good, thanks. So, Sean, you know, this is a fractured sort of uh, hookup that we had through my high school buddy, Morris, who, who ran into you. Uh, you know, you, you were both out uh, as couples, uh, you know, he and his wife and, and you and your wife, I assume. And, and, uh, and so you met somewhere, and then all of a sudden I got, uh, I got involved in this. Explain to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, talk about chance encounters, honestly. I, I truly believe that things happen for a reason. And uh, so – we were going to go to an Indian restaurant in Pembroke. Believe it or not, there is one there in Pembroke, Ontario. And there's also a Thai restaurant there as well. But we decided on Thai. And in comes your friend Morris. And we just got into a discussion. And then we started talking about sports. And I was talking about my podcast. And he ended up mentioning your name, Jim, and how he was a high school friend of yours. So I was just there going, oh, it would be great to even talk to a person like this, you know, just to pick his brain about uh, anything, about broadcasting, sports, anything like that. It would be such a, such a great opportunity. And the very fact that he actually made this connection with you, I thought to myself like that, it's probably just going to go by the wayside, but he actually reached out to you. And Jim, thank you so much for reaching out to me. I mean, I was just somebody you had no idea, just your high school friend brought you on me. And I was just like, 
wow, I'm talking to Jim Taddy here. This is uh, unbelievable. And uh, I really appreciated that hour that we got the, uh, a chance just for me to pick your brain. It was awesome. Yeah, so uh, you just so everybody understands, we did a Zoom thing. I guess it was uh, StreamYard that I, that I used because I used that for my podcast. Uh, so we, we talked for an hour, and, and Sean's going to be retiring from the military and, and wants to get into uh, a little little more serious about podcasting and sports casting. So, I mean, from that hour conversation, what was your best takeaway? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, one of them was listen to my wife. Uh, <laughs> 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 that was that was that was one of my favorites but i think the fact about uh just being concise and precise with what you're going to use as opposed to trying to dance around with words and um trying to trying to you know elongate uh a story or a uh a piece when you could be as effective with less words I, I really took something away from that. Bit. Well, Sean, I'm a Guinness guy by nature. What is your beer of choice, and how did the guys' beer sports uh, podcast happen? Right. Uh, so my beer of choice, well, I'm, I'm also a Guinness guy as well. I like dark lagers. I like, uh, there was one out in D.C. that I love called Dark Matter. Just unbelievable. And, uh and anything that's dark, I like it. I'm, I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. It's, it's, it's not a beer unless it's a stout. <laughs> I understand. Right. Yeah. Uh, guys' beer sports basically happened out of the pandemic. Uh, we were, all of us were affected by this, uh, March 2020, including the military. And when we ended up shutting down, uh, and when I say shutting down, we're still keeping our obligations to NATO. It, doing things like that. But if you, unless you were necessary to come in, and sometimes you are, same with me, but you would go in, you would do your job, and then you would go home, and it would be like maybe five, six days to go back to, to work. And, you know, there's so many things you can do with a honey-do list and so many things that you could do <laughs> cleaning the house and everything like that. You just start sitting there and just getting bored. And it was my wife that actually brought it up to me saying, hey, how about you get together with a couple of your American, uh, American naval friends there and a couple of your American friends, start talking sports and do a podcast, like speaking to this void that's in your life. And so uh, basically, shout out to my uh, co-host there, Brad Tesh. Uh, I contacted him. He was the first one to jump on this. And we just started doing this. And it was unbelievable reception. Like we were not expecting people to even listen at all. It was just I thought that we were going to be our only two fans here. Not only were people listening, but when we started our Monday Night Lives and were able to bring in other uh, people to come in and, and basically treat it like a, a sports bar because there was nothing of that happening, it was just so therapeutic. I lost a couple of friends over uh, the past couple of years. Uh, the suicide, it's a, it's, a, it's a problem within the uh, armed forces, both of them. Uh, and I felt that this was therapeutic for me and for a few other people out there just to be able to get together, have a beer, talk to each other. And the very fact that uh, it's, it's turning out into something a little bit more it's surprising and also very happy. It's, it's, it's a great feeling right now. 
Sean, anybody that's gone to a Leaf game and see the when they honored people from the military by having an ex-Leaf player present a jersey to a member of the military, it's a big deal. People stand up. And I guess, what was it like for you when, when you had that privilege, that honor? Uh, it was absolutely humbling. Um, you know, you, you don't know what you're about to think when that happens. Because you talk to other people that have had that honor happen to them as well. And they're just, you know, telling you, oh, yeah, it's great. It's a great feeling. But I guess the fact that um, I grew up in Brampton and my whole entire military career has been either on the West Coast in the U.S. or on the East Coast. So the very fact that I was able to get a position here in Toronto and to be able to go to a Leafs game and be honored about that, it was just humbling, absolutely humbling. And just to be able to represent the Canadian Armed Forces during Remembrance Week was uh, such a great honor. And to have Mike Johnson come up and hand that uh, jersey over, I thought, what a great guy to have hand over this jersey. I did ask him a question when I was there as well. Uh, I asked him, hey, do you have any advice for a future uh, broadcaster? And uh, his answer to me was, uh, don't do what I do. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was, that was going to be in our second session, Sean. That was, uh, don't do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, honestly, I mean, uh, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, I'm sorry. You're, you're, you know, you're going to be retiring soon from the military, petty officer, second class. I noticed some hardware on your jacket. Do you want to talk about that and what it'll mean to step away? It is going to be a culture shock for one. Um, this has been my life for, by the time I get out, it'll be 19 years. And, uh, it's been the greatest ride I've ever had. Um, to be able to go out there, serve your country, uh, to have what they, they were able to give me as well. Like, I ended up learning French in the military, uh, took a couple of university courses through the military. Um, my confidence, my, um, my ability to make decisions, uh, to be able to look at short, like, you know, a small, small party tasks and, and, and things like that in order to utilize manpower and, uh, just uh, be of service. It's it's been it's been great. I used to like in my twenties. I would pretty much fuddle around from job to job. I really had no concentration, no any sort of. Uh, uh, I'm trying to look for the word here. I guess and no real uh, organization as far as just how to how to like you know stay at a job and be loyal to it and anything like that. I joined the military finally at 31. Uh, this is shortly after 9-11, and I was just, man, I got to do something, and something is bigger than just me. And when I joined, uh, of course, it was because of the hunt for Red October why I joined the Navy and, and chose the uh, trade that I did, which was a sonar operator. I wanted to be Jonesy so bad, but, uh, you know, um, it, it's not quite the same way as in the novel. So <laughs> there's a lot of learning that happens. And, uh, I mean, the, the Navy, the, the Canadian Armed Forces brought me all over the world. I've been able to see so many different things. And, yes, 
right now they're going through some time, some change and transition. But the thing about this organization is that they will persevere. They will come through it. And, you know, as long as there's people, and there are, you know, the people like me who just are just willing to serve, uh, want to go out there, be the best, do the best, I really think that there's no problems with the Canadian forces going forward in the future. Absolutely. Sean, I want to thank you for two things, for stopping by. Enjoy the conversation. Nice to reconnect, and thank you for your service for our country. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Uh, and, again, what an honor to be on the show. Um, I just uh, I was listening to your show. I love the yes guy, no guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I heard about your Detroit Lions thing there. It's very interesting. Hopefully they don't win a <laughs> game and, and they can get a draft pick there, right? New York didn't do it the proper yeah, way. Yeah. Yeah, they they always mess that up. But anyway, we'll we'll hope that we'll push on. Look forward to the next conversation, Sean. Thank you. Sounds great. Have a great one, Jim. You too. Thanks. That's Sean Valencourt, Petty Officer, Second Class, and uh, uh, broadcaster has a podcast. You can find it on Twitter at Guys Beer Sports One. So uh, check that out. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTG Dean. Visit his website, deanromani.com, or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Looking for the perfect gift for the holiday season for your entrepreneur or student in your life? Head over to fox40shop.com. Order a copy of Fox 40. Founder Ron Foxtrot's new book, The 40 Ways of the Box. Net proceeds of book sales go to Liberty for Youth and City Kids, two organizations that do wonderful work in our community. The 40 Ways of the Fox is the book. Fox40shop.com is where you go. Up next, Angelo Mosca Jr. talking about his father who passed away a week ago. This is Yes Guy on TSN 1050, live on your radio, live streaming and podcasting, and on demand on Apple CarPlay and Android Auto through the iHeartRadio Canada app. TSN 1050. Listen anywhere. Listen to episodes of your favorite shows by getting the podcast. Find your favorite shows on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to The Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-3055 or visit his website, braleyadvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Be heard outdoors with a Fox 40 electronic whistle, 100 decibels at the press of a button. Buy yours now at Fox 40. Shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. This is YESGUY on TSN 1050. A week ago, Angelo Mosca Sr. passed away, and we are pleased to have with us to pay tribute Angelo Mosca Jr. Ange, how are you? I'm doing all right, Jim. I'm, I'm still up and down. Uh, you know, people have just uh, sent some beautiful uh, condolences and, and fun, interesting uh uh, emails and uh, texts and stuff. I'm, I'm not out there technology. I'm not on Facebook, but my sister had hundreds of things from the community, from people all across the country. And, and of course, when I read some of them, um, I, uh, it, it, I mean, I just break down and I, I start crying like a little baby. Uh, 
it just it, it sparks so many memories and my emotions are just all over the place still it's uh and of course the tiger cats uh what they're doing and uh, what they're they're planning to do um in celebration of my dad uh um you know and, and we've been together planning that and it's been uh yeah so it's been an up and down it's and then the tiger cats are just being wonderful through this whole thing uh like last night, uh, I don't know if you you watched the Toronto game. <laughs> uh, they call it a game. I don't know what Hamilton didn't show up for some reason, but uh, they had the '68 on the on the helmets uh, of all the players, and they're going to have that on it uh, continuing to the end of the season, which hopefully is the Grey Cup, and that's that's what we're pushing for. And um, so that that's just the kind of the beginning of some of the things they're doing, and yeah, so yeah, so I'm like I said, well, kind of up and down. Sorry, go ahead. And please accept our accept our condolences and you know and, and our, our sympathies to you and your family. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, the thing about your dad was that we all had sort of a piece of him. Uh, I always refer to him yeah. as as your favorite uncle. For for us, it would have been you know guys my age. He would have been our favorite uncle, right? Or or composite right. uncle. Um, and he represented. Hamilton so well, and as a guy who was born in Hamilton, I, I really appreciated that. Um, but this guy was—I mean, he was larger than life. So, as as his son, when did you when did you realize that? Um, you know, honestly, it didn't really hit me. Um, like growing up, I just yeah, it didn't. I didn't think that, and it, it hit me when we organized my sister and I put together uh, the Still Mosca. Uh, the Still Mosque event that uh, that was August the twenty sixth, uh, two thousand and fifteen, and that was when yes, we started about Dad having Alzheimer's, and we we said we need to organize something quickly. It was March of that year that we found out, and uh, so it was a huge tribute night, and also it turned into a huge fundraiser as well. And that's when my job during that was to reach out to the old-time wrestling guys and try and get some of them there or get video and, and whatever. And then also uh, I was helping with the football end a bit. And then I really began to see uh, the people in the community coming forward, not like, like from all over the world, uh, not just Hamilton, not just uh, Ontario, not just Canada, but U.S. and, and other countries like pouring in information and, and things about, you know, hearing about dad with the Alzheimer's. And uh, then I went, wow, I, I had no idea that dad had that reach and and that impact on people. And, and, and you know, the biggest impact, and I found out, and even more so now that he's passed, is the people use the word love so much in their condolences. And, and then they tell stories about, you know, how they loved my dad and uh, sort of, <laughs> I'm already getting choked up just thinking about um, and and I had no idea no idea of, of that reach and and the heart that my dad had. Because um, you you know as well as I that that incident in 1963 in the Grey Cup, uh, the, the supposed Willie Fleming hit, where it, <laughs> it's even questionable whether he even, well, he grazed him. Anyways, not to rehash the whole thing, but... Uh, you know, he, my dad was branded with that uh, dirty player, cheater, nasty. Uh, and uh, instead of trying to fight it, my dad, and this is what he, he knew to do, and he learned it from a young age in Boston, right, growing up, how to survive and how to capitalize and make the best out of situations, the worst situations. He took that name, embraced it, 
and played it to a T and played it up. And then he got tagged with all kinds of different names. So the media, Big Nasty, King Kong, you name it, right? Uh, uh, and, and of course, he, uh, uh, and, and that was the image people had him, of course, and he played the game, and, and I always said, he played the game to the nth degree, to the edge, played on the edge, um, and he was a big, strong, aggressive guy ahead of his time, right? My, my dad was uh, 275 pounds, uh, actually uh, in his prime in the 60s with the Tire Cats, you know, 6'4". And I looked, I, funny, I went back to the rosters the last week, uh, looking at the other guys, uh, the offensive tackles or, or the centers. You know, most of those guys are around 240, 245 maybe. And then I looked at the size of the running backs and everything else, and, and, and my dad was a monster ahead of his time. Plus, he was so fast and strong, right? It's, and he played the game that way. And so, of course, uh, when he got painted with that image and and – and the commercials that he portrayed, right? Uh, you know, shit, come and tell me to my face. Or, uh, well, the Chevy truck, <laughs> tough's not enough. Uh, all those things, right? But what I didn't know and I didn't realize, and, and people don't realize, is my dad had such a huge heart and a real soft spot for uh, kids. And, um, and later in his life, um, his journey, and I believe the Lord you know, gave my dad those gifts of physical ability and being a, a supreme athlete and, and taking that. And later in life, his calling was to give back to the community and charitable stuff. And, and in particular, when you look at my dad in, in, in his later part of his life, um, family became uh, a, a key component for him, which he didn't have when he was younger. And also giving back to charities, uh, not just in Hamilton, and, and especially the CFL, but all across the country. And he did all kinds of charitable fundraising things. And and he had a big heart, and he loved kids, uh, which people don't know that about him. Um, but uh, and and he had a soft, sensitive inside, <laughs> and a caring inside that again people that and people close to him probably saw that and, and a lot of them knew that right but the general public didn't know that about my dad they really didn't I don't, I don't believe but uh, yeah it's uh, well if I could share a story if you don't mind uh, just just of, of one of the condolences that came in uh, um, the, pre, the the fellow that became uh, while well, the priest that became dad's priest at the end uh, he told me a really nice story. He's uh, well, I'll use his name, Father Charles, here in Hamilton at Blossom Sacrament. Uh, my dad was in Macassar Lodge for five and a half years here in Hamilton, and actually, uh, Blossom Sacrament is the precinct uh, within the precinct. And uh, I was talking with Father uh, Charles, Charles, and he told me a story. He grew up in Hamilton, and as a young boy, like. A very young boy, I don't know, eight, eight, nine. Him and his buddy used to go all the tire cap practices in the sixties, and uh, so practice was ending, and uh, they were standing um, by the entrance to the, the locker rooms, and the guys were following one by one, and then along comes my dad, and Father Charlie said, "He looked up, way up, way up, and there's a mountain of a man, and." Uh, so he stuck his little hand out to shake my dad's hand, and my dad <laughs> took his hand very gently, 
and shaked his hand and looked him in the eye and then stood there and had a wonderful conversation with him. And Father Charles said, you know, that's one thing, again, about your dad is they have, uh, I mean, a man that size, he took the time to talk to us, and also he was a gentle man. He was very gentle. So uh, it's interesting. I said, what a story. I mean, uh, and that was my dad. He was kind of a gentle giant with a big heart for uh, especially kids and, and people, and he loved to talk to people. And uh, that that was him. That was his life. Uh, and he loved to be out. Uh, and he had, I don't know, he just had that magic and that charisma that he, and he knew the one-liners and knew how to, to dole it out and, and <laughs> to people uh, at the right times, right? And uh, But again, he had that big kind of intimidating uh, uh, look and voice and, and commanded that. And uh, most people we're kind of shy and timid to really speak up against him. Right. <laughs> but, but inside, you know, yeah, he, he was a, he was a, a man, uh, yeah, like that. But, uh, yeah. And actually, uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I'm just kind of rambling, but <laughs> no, no, that's okay. Uh, yeah. But, uh, well, and, and, and the other thing is, uh, an interesting story is, is how he ended up in Hamilton, uh, you know, and and I, and I believe it, it, it again. It was God's will for him to end up in this city because. Uh, and Dad said uh, there was a great interview he did on CBC, um, and actually when we did the Still Mosque thing, he talked about Kansh, why Hamilton, how come, and and like everyone has said, you know, your dad, my dad, ended up in Hamilton. Um, well, it, I don't know if you know the story, but it was because he uh, had to leave Wyoming and came up here in Jim Trimble. Uh, who was coach Philadelphia, I guess, had kept an eye on him and uh, ended up getting my dad up here instead of him going to Philadelphia when he was drafted, I don't know, way in the later rounds. But uh, that's how he ended up up here. And so um, in that interview in CBC, my dad says, well, he, he, he's, he's brought it right. First, he thanks the people of Canada. Uh, and then he says, you know, and I was made for this city. And, uh, I fit right in, and the, the, the community welcomed me because of who I am and, and the, the way I play football. And he played football like that, you know, hard-nosed, uh, smash-mouth, hard-hitting football and great defense. And the people of Hamilton were known as the, you know, the steel town, hard-nosed people. And uh, and there was a great community of Italian people and a great Italian community in Hamilton. And my dad just... Uh, melded right in and uh, became uh, 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 he just loved the city and 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 he loved the tiger cats like like i mean it's it's you know uh, blood, uh gold gold and uh, black uh, blood ran through his veins uh, no doubt about it uh, he just cherished tiger cats uh, yeah yeah and so i wonder if you're gonna you know first of all condolences on to you and your family but i knew your dad really well and i was at the great cup a few years ago it was, uh, I think it was uh, retired or players or whatever, they have a breakfast, and I was speaking to him. What I didn't know was about 10 minutes before that, him and Joe Cap got into this incredible, I don't know, disagreement, and that thing blew up. Were you surprised it became as big as it did? I, well, first of all, I was shocked how I found out about it. Um, 
Uh, I didn't go out to the. I, I'd gone a few games. My I, I was shocked how big it became and what happened with because um, my sister had phone. Or we were talking and my dad wasn't. Someone had to travel with him then, and actually my stepbrother kind of traveled with him to Vancouver. That was 2011 in Vancouver, right? And uh, I found out about by walking into work because you know, I talked to my sister morning. She says, "And it's good, nothing happened. Nobody has it out." She told me what had gone on because he had phoned her. And she said, it's good nobody uh, has video of it or anything. Well, I walked into work uh, that morning at 11 a.m., and uh, people were all huddled around the computer looking at this thing on online on uh, YouTube or whatever it was. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there it is. And uh, and I was just like, what? Anyways, so that's how I found out. And then, um, yeah, then I got on phone and found out more about it. And uh uh, yeah, I was shocked uh, uh, how much traction and where it went. But again, um, my dad took that situation, uh, and and again, and this he and he was a brilliant thinker uh, of taking situations. How do we turn it and uh, take advantage of it and turn it into something? Um, so I don't know if you know the story about that cane and, and what happened, but. Um, in 2011, uh, when they were at, it was during the BC, uh, uh, the, the Grey Cup was out in British Columbia. And what that event was where Joe Cap and my dad were together was, uh, it was the, uh, uh the luncheon for the, uh, the CFL alumni. Um, and, uh, Leo Ezrin, the, the president of, of the, of the alumni was hosting this uh, luncheon. And then they were actually going to be showing that clip of the supposed hit on Willie Fleming in 1963 and then they were going to put it to bed. They were going to ask and vote, uh, did Mosk actually hit him or didn't he? And that was going to be the end of it. But it was a setup. Uh, as soon as my dad, now my dad held no grudges against Joe Cap from what happened back then but it's obvious Joe Cap did uh, because as soon as uh, they walked in the room, my dad had no thoughts of uh, any animosity. He walks into the room, and they had Joe Cap and my dad seated at the same table. And my dad goes up to Joe Cap, puts out his hand to shake, and he goes, "Hey, Joe, baby." And uh, and Joe, with superlatives, answers right back, "F you, Mosca." And that that was the beginning of a setup, right? <laughs> so then it it continued. I, I just and, and and of course they were sitting at the same table. Uh, with two military guys at the table. And I've, I've got this information firsthand from my stepbrother, who was also at the table, uh, another table in the back corner. Uh, and anyways, um, I, I won't rehash the whole thing, but I tell you, Joe Cap was irritating my dad during the whole watch him waving the, the flower from the middle of the table under his nose. Then when my dad got up there to talk about the support fund for the CFL, and that's what they were doing the fundraising for the support program for the CFL alumni guys. And that's to support players uh, who, of course, back then had no uh, pension and had, you know, horrendous medical bills because of the way medical care was during those days in the 50s and 60s, et cetera, right? And uh, so that's, they had my dad up on stage and, uh, then he starts to talk, and he's sitting on a high chair with his cane, because uh, my dad walked with that, that cane for to study him then. And uh, Joe Cap comes up on stage, 
starts saying some things, approaches my dad, waving that flower under his nose and chin, and then uh, my dad's like, Joe, get off, and he's trying, Joe, get off the stage, please get off the stage, and then then Joe, like, takes a flower, and he's got it in hand, but he punches my dad in his shoulder, so, of course, my dad's sitting there on the edge of his chair, and he quickly uh, uh, reacts um, by... He's got the cane, I think, in his right hand, and he flips the cane up and boom, and clips him in the, in the glasses, knocks his glasses off flying, and believe me, there was no cut, no blood, which the story's been exaggerated. It, I've read it so many times in the last two weeks. And, uh, and then Joe Cap comes back and then hits my dad one, two, three times, and my dad kind of tries to get up and kind of gets a shot in at Joe, but then stumbles and falls to the ground on this podium and then kind of falls off the edge of it and falls behind uh, against a big plate glass window, which you can't, nobody can see the rest is on the video. And here's the part that really irritates me is Joe Cap walked up to my dad and it's off camera and he kicked my dad and he kicked him in the, uh, well, kind of between the legs and in the buttock area. So, so anyways, and then, and then, and I don't know if you ever saw what happened. Uh, Joe Cap got up on stage and told an awful story about why Willie Fleming was there and that he named his dog Mosca, and, uh, but he takes good care of that dog. But, uh, uh, you yeah. know, but he, what he'd really I, like to do, and I don't know if you heard the story, he would like to kick. Oh, yeah, that's awful stuff. That, yeah, uh, Angelo, awful. we're running out of time. Really, really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you very much, Angelo. And again, our condolences to you and your family. Thank you, Jim. Thanks. And, uh, who? And that was uh, was that Perry? That, yeah, it was. Oh, Perry. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Perry. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Thank okay, you very bye-bye. much. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, you know, for those listening, there's a guy who loves his father. That That's what you heard there. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor, Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at one 734 3055. Visit his website, BraleyAdvisors.com. With 30 years of experience, Herb will help you do what you want to do with your money, get it back to you when you need it the most. Financial clarity and comfort with Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. And be heard outdoors with a Fox 40 electronic whistle, 100 decibels at the press of a button. Buy yours now at fox40shop.com. Use the code YESGUY for 15% off your order. This is YESGUY on TSN 1050. First up with Karolnik and Koliakovo. I appreciate you guys. I listen to you every morning, so all the very best, gentlemen. You're the best, right. buddy. Darcy Tucker. Best buds with your buds. Weekday morning, 6 till 10 on TSN 1050. If you ain't first, you're last. You're listening to The Yes Guy Show. Yes Guy. On TSN 1050. Looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park Managing Broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage has 26 award-winning years of real estate experience. So, looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service, put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call them or text them at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be at work by anybody. In fact, he's so busy that he's actually with us right now. Charles, how are you today, sir? Good, Jim. How are you? Good, good. So, I mean, affordability, this is the big issue. So uh, help us understand how to cope with this. 
Well, basically, uh, I'm going to be really brief about this. Uh, the Toronto City Council adopted a policy which requires some of the new uh, residential development to include affordable housing. Uh, gentlemen. You're the best, right. buddy. Darcy Tucker. Best buddy. Yep. So basically... Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Our... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so basically what that means is uh, some of these new <laughs> condo developments are going to be built in and around key development areas. Uh, they're going to be requiring the build, some of the builders to be building affordable housing units. So for, like, you know, for... for uh, like, I'll give you an example. In Richmond Hill, there was a building where they wanted to go higher, so the builder negotiated with the township in the region to put four units that they would give to York Housing uh, uh, to create some affordable housing in that area. It looks like they're going to be adopting that policy so that uh, anybody that, uh, any builder that wants to build close to, like, uh, public transit is going to be required uh, to be building these units. So we're going to be watching that very closely to see how that affects the market and availability and whether or not this will have an impact on the uh, the condominium market. You know, Charles, I had a uh, an agent knock on my door, do a cold call a few days ago, telling me about a house that was sold for like a million and a half, asking me if I wanted to sell my house. My first thought was, okay, I'm going to sell my house, but now I'm going to have to pay or rent at an exorbitant price. So how do you how do you deal with that kind of conundrum? So the number one election uh, issue was affordable housing. And, um, yeah, you're, the, the reason why our inventory is down 55% from the previous year is because exactly that. Where do you go when you sell? Where do you go? And it's, it's a problem that we're all trying to solve. We all know from, uh, from experience that if you create supply, that it should ease the pressures on pricing. But right now the supply is the biggest problem. So I'm somebody listening to this, and they're thinking about selling. They they should list their house now, shouldn't they? They're going to be capital. You know what? Here, here's here's the statistic. If you bought a house anytime before uh, 2014 or in and around, you basically doubled the value of your home. So if we're going to be doubling prices every eight years in this market, when is the best time to get in? Today or yesterday? But uh, if you are in an you know if you're in an opportune situation where you could actually you know uh, sell and and capitalize on the high prices of Homes are selling for now. Hey, you're uh, you're sitting in the driver's seat. You know, if someone's thinking about selling their house, would you tell them put some improvements into it to get a higher value, or just sell it as it is because it's going to be sold regardless? Because of the shortage of housing, I've been watching garbage sell. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. So you'll see a nicely renovated home, it'll sell, and then an unrenovated home will sell almost for just as much. It boggles the mind. That was never the case before, but it's just there's a there's a lack of choice out there, guys. And uh, I think what what's end up what's going to end up happening is the governments are going to have to be a little bit more cooperative uh, by cutting the red tape with all the developers that want to build and add to the to the supply so that we can ease the pressure on pricing. So I mean, there used to be that rule that if you redid the the kitchen or the or the bathroom, that would increase the value. But really, what you're saying is the value is so high, there's no need to do that. At this point in time, I've been watching. When you you know when you look at the photos of a listing and you think, oh my god, look, yeah. <laughs> how is this going to sell? They didn't even paint the place, and all of a sudden you see it sell within a day or two, and you're like, oh my god, <laughs> it, it 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 doesn't speak to any kind of reasoning. It and the only explanation is. Lack of choice. So it, it, it's a very difficult situation for a lot of home buyers right now that have already sold their home and then entering the market after they've sold their home firm. And now they're realizing, oh, my gosh, 
there's almost nothing to buy out there. And whenever I find something, it becomes multiple offer, and I find myself in a situation where I'm competing against, you know, say 5, 10, 15, 20 other offers. Charles, really appreciate it. You know, we're pressed for time. Thank you very much. Yeah. Anytime, guys. Take care. So, Okay, if you're looking for representation, Charles Park is your guy. If you're an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage, contact Charles Park, managing broker, Remax West Realty Brokerage, offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring. For a confidential interview, call 647-292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.net. This is Yes Guy on TSN 1050.